Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and today we are in the conclusion, part three, of a sermon entitled The Seven Seal Judgments. We are walking our way verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the great book of Revelation. And you know, for so many Christians, the book frightens them. But you know, Revelation, out of all 66 books of the Bible, Revelation is the only book that promises a special and unique blessing to those who study its pages, Revelation 1-3. So let's literally fulfill the Word of God together as we study this great book of the Bible as we walk through it verse by verse. I hope you're on this journey with me. If you have missed any of the previous sermons, go back in the archives Check them out for yourselves, and let's continue walking through this great study together entitled Things to Come, a study of the book of Revelation. Now, listen, this was written thousands of years ago, and it says at this time, there'll be a polarization on the earth. In other words, the rich will get richer, and the poor will get poorer. Can you see that in our world today? During this time period, those elites, oh, they'll have their oil and wine. But the average Joe, it'll be one day's wage for one ration of food. Isn't that fascinating? Now, the fourth seal. Verse 7 says, When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. Wow. Again, don't miss that. They were given authority. Satan's on a very short leash, and it's called God's sovereignty. This last horse, this pale horse, pale in the Greek here is Clorox. It's where we get our English word chlorine. And what's this speaking of? It's speaking of death. And uh, uh, this is literally what he's saying. (laughs) Now, say amen if you're with me, because I, oh, don't miss this. Death and Hades. What's he saying? He's saying that there's going to be an ability for death to kill the body, but for Hades to kill the soul. Friends, that is the eternal separation away from God. See, if you're born again today, If your sins are washed in the blood of the Lamb, the Bible teaches you and I will die a physical death. We'll die the death of Adam unless the rapture takes place. You know, if the rapture takes place, we'll cheat death. We'll be the only generation of the earth that never died. We'll be translated from here to there. Harpazo. But if the coming of the Lord doesn't happen in our lifetime... You and I will die Adam's death. That's the first death. But then the Bible teaches what's called the second death. And do you know what the second death is? That's where your soul is condemned to hell apart from God. 
In this, it says death and Hades, the death of the body, the death of the soul. So if you're born again today, you'll only die once. That's the Adam's death. Then our soul goes to be with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. And you know what it says in Revelation 2 and 3? It says that when the second death, (laughs) in other words, when we stand in judgment before God, it says the second death will not harm believers. Do you know what the Greek meaning of that word harm is? It means it will not recognize us. What happened in the book of Exodus When the children of Israel, when the death angel came over the land of Egypt and the children of Israel took the blood of the lamb and applied the blood to the doorpost, what did the death angel do? It passed over. Amen. And if the blood of Christ is applied to you and your family, you know what's going to happen in the second death? It's going to pass over. It's not even going to recognize you. Amen. Hallelujah. That's because our life is hidden with Christ in God, Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Praise God. Amen. This this black horse, this rider, he's going to to come, death and Hades. And what's the last? Read that verse one more time, Caleb. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence oh. and by wild beasts of the earth. Just say amen if you're with me. Amen. You know, I can't see you, so I, I can't tell if you're, if you're paying attention or not. Can I show you how much God's preparing the earth for this time period? What's pestilence? That's plagues. It's disease. This diabolical coronavirus. But listen, now now this is highly interesting. He says something that makes students of the Bible, it makes us scratch our heads. He mentions wild beast. There's three possible interpretations, and I'll let you draw your own conclusion. The first possibility is that wild beasts are going to just do that. They're going to turn savage. Does that mean that tigers and rhinoceros and things like that are just going to kill mankind? I don't think so. I think that's the least likely. The second possibility is that this is speaking of political leaders. The word for beast in the Greek is therion. Which means literally a wild animal, beast. What's interesting is every single time in the book of Revelation that Therion is used, it's speaking of the Antichrist and the false prophet, which means political leaders. Now, that would make sense if the political leaders, you know, very uh, usually famine does not happen because of lack of food, famine typically happens because of war and political corruption. So that would make sense if political leaders are so corrupt that they have their oil and wine, but the average Joe is dying of famine. It makes sense. Look at North Korea. That could be it. But may I propose a third possibility? 
Do you know that the CDC tells us that 75% of all diseases come from animals? You know, the most dangerous beasts are those that are microscopic. Could this be predicting things like bird flu? Things like West Nile virus. Things like Ebola. Things like coronavirus. Huh. We don't know. But it's... Here's my point. What the Bible was written thousands of years ago, we're watching and experiencing with our very eyes right now in the moment. Now the fifth seal. Oh, I'm so sorry, Caleb. So just, again, the succession here. The white horse speaks of a false peace. What follows false peace? The red horse, war and murder and bloodshed. What always follows devastating war? The black horse, the famine, the food rationings. And what follows famine? Death, pestilence, disease. Possibly global pandemics. Fifth seal. Verse 9 says, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. Before I explain why this is a judgment, let, let me just do a side commentary note here. You know, there are many... <clears throat> excuse me. There are many great Christians, many, many strong believers, born again, blood-washed, who believe in a doctrine called soul sleeping. Have you ever heard of soul sleeping? The doctrine teaches, and again, many fine believers believe this, but I'm going to show you why I believe it's false. Many Christians believe that when you die, your soul is unconscious until the coming of Christ. The reason, one of the reasons they believe that is because in 1 Thessalonians 4, when the Bible does teach the rapture, it says those who are dead in Christ, those who are asleep, will rise first to meet the Lord in the air. So because of that, people... With, I believe it's error, but they believe that our soul is unconscious. Friends, I don't believe that at all. If this were the only proof we had, it's proof enough. These are believers who are killed for their faith, martyred, but where is their soul? It's in heaven, alive and well. They're crying out with a loud voice. They're not crying out for their vengeance. They're crying out for God's vengeance. Because here's what you have to understand. Again, in the book of Revelation, it says, All the judgments of God on the earth are just. They're just. They're righteous judgments. And these souls that have been martyred for Christ, they're crying out for God's vengeance. They know what's going on in the earth. They know the timing of everything happening on the earth. And they're asking the Lord, they're saying, how much longer until you execute your judgment? That tells us several things. Number one, it tells us that believers in heaven know what's happening on the earth today. My dad right now is in heaven. My dad never got to meet my two little boys Hudson and Jaybird. But you know what? I think he knows all about them. 
I think he knows all about them. I think he knows more about them than I know. You know what Charles Spurgeon said? He said, you don't think when we get up there, we're going to have less sense than we had down here. We're going to know it all. Amen. We're going to see the full picture. Another interesting thing, and again, I don't believe in soul sleeping. These souls are conscious. They are aware of what's going on on the earth. They're crying out to God for vengeance. I don't believe in soul sleeping. What did Jesus tell the thief on the cross? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. What happened as Stephen was dying, being stoned to death? He saw the Lord Jesus Christ stand to receive his spirit. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I don't believe in soul sleeping at all. Paul said, I'm between the two. I don't know if it's better for me to go on or for your sake to stay here. Do you think Paul would say it's better to go on if he was going to be unconscious for the next 2,000 years? I don't think so. No, I reject that wholeheartedly. I think this verse alone is evident. Our loved ones who've gone on before us, friends, they are alive and well. Amen? Last thing I'll say on this, D.L. Moody told the people of his day in the late 1800s, he said, one day you'll open up the papers and they'll say, D.L. Moody has died. He said, don't you believe a word of it? He said, on that day, I'll be more alive than I ever was. Amen? Amen. And, oh, last thing I'll say. Oh, I hope you guys aren't bored with this. Last thing I'll say. Now, this does make us scratch our heads. And, and, and I, I've never come across a commentary that has a sufficient answer. They're given white robes. And the Bible says the church will be clothed with white robes. Now, what does that mean? When our soul detaches from our body, when our soul departs from this flesh, are we wearing literal physical white robes? I tell you what I believe. The longer I teach the Bible, the longer I study and read the Bible, the more literal I take it. If this says white robes, friends, I believe they are physical. Chapter 19, verse 8 calls them dazzling white robes. Amen? Amen. The men who rolled the stone away for Jesus, the two angels, what, what were they arrayed in? White robes. Amen? Amen? Where are we, Kate? I don't even know where we are. You tell me. I don't. You, you know everything. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, the, oh, 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 okay. Yes, yes. So why, so again, and this is just very simple, why, why are the martyrdoms of believers a judgment on the earth? Why is this one of the seal judgments? Because what we said in the beginning, when the restrainer is removed, when the church is removed, when any representation of light is removed off the earth, what kind of darkness do you think is going to prevail? And with the slaughter of who in that day will be tribulation saints. In that day will be Christ's followers. When they are killed off of the earth, it's going to just release more and more and more darkness. And that's why it's a judgment upon the earth. Sixth seal, please. 
verse 12, when he opened the sixth seal, I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth. The full moon became like blood and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand? So this sixth seal, now remember the seventh is going to begin in chapter 8. And what does the last sets of the seven do? They unroll the scroll. And out of the seventh seal will come the seven judgments. And the escalation increases throughout the tribulation to the point of the last three and a half years, which is called the great tribulation. So today we're going to end our session today with the sixth seal because the seventh will unfold in chapter 8. The sixth seal is going to be an unshaking. It's going to be a shaking on the earth. It's interesting. If you read Matthew 24, this is the perfect sequence that Jesus taught in Matthew 24. False Christ, the Antichrist, the pseudo-Christ, war, rumors of war, kingdom against kingdom, nation against nation, and then the devastation that follows that, all the famine, all the death that follows that. And then the apocalypse, this shaking of the physical earth. So this is going to be the sixth seal. These are the effects that's going to be seen on the earth. Caleb, read, read the first verse of the sixth seal for me one more time, please. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake. Okay. So this is, if you just want to note this, this is interesting. This is the first of three major earthquakes in the book of Revelation. There is an earthquake here in the beginning of the tribulation in chapter 6. There will be an earthquake in the midpoint, which will be the uh, uh, two witnesses. I can't wait to study the two witnesses with you. That's going to be fascinating. That will be in chapter 11, and we'll be there in just a few weeks. There's an earthquake in chapter 11, and then there is an earthquake in chapter 18 with the fall of the city of Babylon. And we're going to unravel all of that. What is Babylon? Other than Jerusalem, it's the second most talked about city in the entire Bible, beginning in Genesis all the way to chapter 18 of Revelation. It spans the whole Bible. That will be fascinating. But understand... There are three major earthquakes in the book of Revelation, uh, chapters, chapters uh, 6, 11, and 18. And the sun became black as sackcloth, the full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. Next verse. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Now, I'm not going to get into all of this here. Just a side note. At some point, I'm going to do a special session 
I cannot get it. What time is it right now? Oh, oh, I'm way over. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, oh, you know what they tell me back in kids' church? They say when the Holy Spirit moves in the auditorium, the devil's moving in kids' church. So uh, I got to be sensitive to our, to our workers back there. Okay. I can't get into it right now. But just let me ask you. Did you see the report released by the Pentagon and the Department of Defense on aliens and UFOs? Why is this becoming a mainstream topic in the media? Do I believe in aliens? No. But I do believe there's a biblical answer for it. I'm going to do a special session on what the Bible speaks of concerning UFOs and aliens. I'm going to show you how in the days of Noah, fallen angels, it's going to be in the last days. I'm going to show you why Jesus said in Luke, men will look into the heavens and their hearts will fail them. There is something to it. And here's my point. If the sky can be rolled up, you know, scientists believe in multi-dimensions of our universe. I have no doubt that one day scientists will open black holes. I have no doubt. Because I believe the universe is multidimensional. If the sky can be rolled up, that means it's multidimensional. So why is the Pentagon reporting sightings of things like UFOs that cannot be explained? The speed with which they're traveling, they can't, they're, they're clocking speeds at 13,000 miles per hour. And they can't explain it. Do you know why? Because there's far more than this physical, natural realm. And here is my point. Can I have three more minutes? And then I'm done. When Jesus resurrected and he had a glorified body, you remember what he did with his followers? They were locked in a, they were hiding in a locked room. And do you remember what Jesus did? He appeared through the wall. You know what the Bible says? That right now it does not yet appear what we shall be. But when he returns, we shall be like him. I believe that means we'll be multidimensional like that. Here's my point. Our universe, I believe, is multidimensional. Why? Because there is a spirit realm. Remember when Elisha was surrounded by the armies of Syria and his assistant was freaking out? And he said, Lord, open his eyes. And he walked out. And what did his assistant see? Chariots of fire with angels surrounding them. Friends, there's a world that you and I can't see. And that's why, here's my point. Don't live for this physical earth. Because there's far more awaiting. Amen? Amen? Now let's finish. Last verse. Who can stand? Well, he asked this question. If the wrath of the Lamb has come, then who can stand? The answer to that question is chapter 7. And that's where we're going to be next week. The answer is going to be the 144,000 sealed Jews. The earth will have 144,000 Billy Grahams preaching. Amen. 144,000 Apostle Pauls. Thank you for joining us today on our broadcast for Awaken to Grace. Real quick, I wanted to make sure that you know that we have a podcast feed and it is called Awakened to Grace 
with Chad Roberts. On our podcast feed, you're going to find our current sermon that Chad preaches every week at Preaching Christ Church, as well as special bonus content. Right now, we have an amazing marriage podcast that we did at the beginning of the year that we know you'll find helpful for you and your marriage, no matter where you are. So be checking our podcast feed. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. We are available there. Of course, it's all free, and it's all because of our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today on Awakened to Grace.